Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. this morning is from the book of Romans chapter 8 verses 6 through 11 and if you would like to follow along it begins on uh, 
page 157, way in the back of your pew Bible. Um, I am going to be reading a little bit different translation that I think uh, speaks to us today in a little bit more modern language. It's from the message translation. Obsession with self is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in the self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what God is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. But if God has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of God. Of course, anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome God, in whom God dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves in your life, God will do the same thing in you that God did in Jesus, bringing you alive to God's self? When God lives and breathes in you, and God does as surely as God did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With God's spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. The word of God.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I am not Pastor Kristen, obviously, unless she's a shapeshifter. <laughs> I'm Israel Alvaran. I'm an organizer with Reconciling Ministries Network, and um, I live in Berkeley, and when I'm in town, I go to this church. So I'm glad to be here today to, uh, to support her as she is, I think, on, she's on some kind of vacation, right? Hopefully she is. <laughs> so if she's watching, you shouldn't be watching. Um, well, I think I told you before when I last preached here that I was going back to the Philippines. Um, well, I did last November. Um, and I haven't really traveled back home. Uh, I've been away for almost 20 years this year. And last November was um, the first time I visited last November, almost 20 years. And um, I came here for grad school in 2003 and never went back because I later on became a political asylee and I couldn't get home. Mm. And it was only until I actually became a US citizen in 2020 that I was able to safely travel. Uh, wow. Some people said it would be safer for you to go back home not even with a green card or being permanent resident, but if you actually go home with a U.S. passport. So I was excited about what that would be like um, because I haven't been home in a long time. But I was pleasantly surprised that in spite of the differences, the new things that I was seeing, there's a part of me that never really left that just reconnected. So I was coming from one place from the U.S. and going back home, and there's that connection, but there's, you know, that suddenly there's that sense of, oh, I am, I am home. I'm suddenly home. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also something different about me being technically a foreigner, you know, well, because I am carrying a different passport and not my home passport. Mm -hmm. And I also, I was lining up in the, you know, foreigner section, wow. uh, immigration. So that was, you know, that was different because I was in my home country and I felt like I should just go line up with everybody else who's brown like me. But no, I was lining up with people from different countries, plus other Filipinos who are foreigners, technically, right? Um, and that, that sense of being transported from one place to the other, um, that, res that, that reminded me of that experience when I was reading the text we have today, because it is about a comparison between life in the flesh and life in the spirit. I'm, I'm really grateful uh, for the reading today that used contemporary language, things that, I, that we would really understand. But because if I would read that to you again, let me read that text to you from the Revised Standard Version, and you can see how different it sounds. Uh, because it sounds like you're, you're from another world and you're, you're now of the spirit. To set the mind of the flesh on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those of you who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you, 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give you will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. Very. If you read that, it was like a theologian talking, whoa, it's over my head, what is he talking about? But really in that other text that was read, that version was pretty clear because the theme here is obsession with self. Meaning that if you are in the Spirit, you're not obsessed about yourself or about ourselves. And that experience of traveling to the Philippines suddenly with all the privilege of being an American with a mighty U.S. dollar in my pocket, which was times 55 of the peso, the Philippine peso. I was, I was looking at things. I was shopping. I was, I was everything. Just, oh, this is so cheap. Oh, this is so cheap, right? I was so obsessed with what I had. I met my high school classmates who I haven't seen for almost 40 years, right? I was supposed to meet them at a restaurant in a mall. And I was looking at my watch. I said, ooh, they're, they're running late. <laughs> they are running really late at some point. I was like, I'm not just hungry. They're just really running, like, really late. And when they finally trickled in and got there, I was like, I was very gracious. I said, ooh, you're late. <laughs> How else can you say anything? You're late. You could have texted me that you were running late. And I could have just like walked around the mall and not stayed here sitting, waiting for you, right? Uh, I was saying that with a smile, of course, right? And they said to me, no, we're not late. <laughs> I was like, no, you're late. In my head, I said, and then it occurred to me, oh my God, they're on island time. <laughs> and then at some point, they had to tell that. They, they had to say it. Oh, you're being American. <laughs> and I said, let's, let's eat. <laughs> what else can I do? <laughs> then it happened again. So I got myself uh, a plan because I was going to be there for a whole month. I said, I need to have a plan where I could, I could actually get voice messages. Right? If somebody's going to call me, I need to have a voice message that delivered because not everybody's used to that. People are used to texting. I didn't know somebody was calling me from work. I needed to have somebody leave a message. I could call back. I'm just used to that. I'm an organizer. That needs to happen. And it wasn't that feature of the service wasn't functioning. So what do you do? You call customer service, right? And I did. I was calling customer service, and I think it was routed to somewhere in India. And it sounds really racist, but I, again, obsession with self, right? I could tell. I was looking at it, was, it's the accent. And I, at some point in that long conversation, and mind you, I, was, I had to excuse myself. I was, with, I was hanging out with friends. And I had to be in the one corner of the room doing my business with the customer care person while everybody else was like, you know, talking and chit-chatting. At some point, I was because my back was turned, 
at some point, I didn't realize that my voice, my tone of voice was getting louder, and I was like getting pissed off. And at some point, I said, I paid for this service. And then there was a hush in the room. And I looked back, and everybody was looking at me. And they were mouthing with their mouths, America. Our text here reminded me of those experiences of being transported from one world to another. Now, Paul here keeps on comparing things in the text of what it's like to be in the flesh, obsessed with oneself, and, and then on the other side, being obsessed with what the spirit of being in community is all about. And I had to look at the rest of the chapter to understand that. And you would read here, and this is a, you know, Romans is the longest letter that Paul wrote, or at least that's attributed to him. It's also his most theological piece. It's a masterpiece of his theology. It's not complete in terms of systematic theology where you have all the parts of systematic theology about Christ, God, you know, the Spirit, the Church, but definitely around salvation. Pretty clear about justification by faith, that we are saved by faith in Jesus. This is very clear in, in Romans. And so he keeps comparing things. And in this chapter, this is the chapter where you read this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. That's where we are right now. We are of the Spirit and no longer condemned. And then those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but we're do not doing that anymore. We're not obsessed with ourselves anymore. And then towards the end, this is where we read, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. You remember that text? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's in the same chapter. And so Paul was saying, if you have been transported from, from a life of being obsessed with self and selfishness, to a life in the spirit where you live in community and build beloved community, nothing can separate us from the love of God there, whoever you are. And the word flesh here always comes up because it is really what it is. It, flesh is not the whole body, but what covers it, the Greek word is uh, sarks, or sarkos, which is really being selfish. That's what it is, selfishness. Life in the flesh is about selfishness, animalistic desires and thoughts and even lust um, in their world. And so Paul was saying, well, you're not of that anymore. Now I'm wondering, what, why is, this, why is this, this the theme? If I were the Romans, I'd say, why are you telling us this again? Are you just like obsessed with yourself trying to write a theological treatise and just like having us read it? No, this is a personal letter to a church in Romans. And to understand better, let's understand who's the audience? Who was it written to? Um, there was a time 
that Jews were expelled from, from Rome. This was in, the in 19 AD. They were expelled from Rome. And when, when he was writing this in around 57 AD, at that point, the Jews were already going back to Rome. And some of them were Christian Jews. And majority of the church in Rome were, not surprised, Gentiles by Jewish standards. They're not Jewish, right? So they're Romans. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. In this congregation, technically, if you're not of Jewish lineage, we're Gentiles. And some of the Jewish Christians that came back were also trying to maintain a part of their Jewish culture and heritage, right? And could be different from their, I don't want to call them Gentile siblings, but for want of, of a description, for purposes of just showing you what's happening here, yes, they're your Gentile Christian siblings. And on the other hand, these Gentile Christian siblings were looking at the new transplants who's coming back as like different. And so there were, they had a network of house churches where this house church had more Jewish folks in them. Sounds familiar now? And this house church had more Roman members in it. And you can imagine if that's the culture, then there would be so many different kinds of house churches, but they were segregated by their cultural or racial backgrounds. And of course, there's, there could be animosity, there could be drama, and you could read throughout the whole text, that, in, in the whole book, interspersed with, with Paul's theological talk that he was trying to actually smooth out the differences between the churches in Rome. Now transpose that to us today. Where are we as church? What do we take from the Romans and their experience? of having differences and having infighting. That doesn't sound familiar if you've been reading news about the United Methodist Church recently, which I hope you don't read too much. <laughs> then you'd realize that there's a lot of infighting, there's a lot of labeling, there's a, a lot of splintering and a lot of hurtful words. And even back home where I'm from, and, and, and we're already all Filipinos, so it's not even about that. It's theological differences. And for so many years, in our context right now, the conversation, oh, this is really about inclusion of LGBTQ persons. Yes, on the face of it, it is. But I hate to believe, I don't want to believe that, that I am the reason alone. I think this is a made-up thing. I'm a scarecrow. I'm being used, my community is being used to divide the church for other purposes of power so that our church would not be focused on what it means to be in the spirit of community. That's why Paul here is telling the Romans, wait, 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 wait. It's not about you being Jewish. 
It's not about you being an immigrant. It's not about you being a Gentile Roman. It's about, not about what you eat. It's not about your custom, your custom, your custom. No. We were all justified and provided grace by God through Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing. If you are in the Spirit, you're given that gift of grace. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your petty squabbles. Not even anything. Nothing. Nada. Zilch. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And yet, and yet, here we are today. Over 2,000 churches in the United Methodist Church, and probably maybe at the end of the year, it'll be 4,000, leaving our fellowship. I don't want to talk about the big drama around that, but what I want to deal with is like, there's powers behind this conflict that wants our church to splinter, to split up, have lies thrown around in our face because it weakens our witness as Christians in the whole world. And it pits us against each other. I just posted something about, you know, hey, our African siblings are putting together a forum. They're staying in the church and they want us to keep on in conversation together and do mission work together. From a, in, a, in a progressive Facebook group, and I get a comment, well, aren't they the ones that are against our views on inclusion? And can you, t can you tell them to love others like Jesus did or something like that? And I was like, wow. Like, do we have the monopoly of we're the only ones that can love like Jesus did? Seriously? That is where we are like what the Romans experienced back then. Obsessed with who we are, with our differences, with my agenda. And yes, we can fall into that trap. But Scripture says, but you're not of that anymore. And the challenge here is for us to move from there to something new and keep on keeping on. And I like what Miko was saying earlier. We're not perfect. We're trying our best, and that is enough. Because we're, we're on a journey. I mean, the, the Wesleyan thing is you we're on a journey towards perfection in love. But sometimes we're not on a journey together together, but we're on the same journey. Some of us are prob probably, you know, slower than others. Some of us are uber excited. You know how it is. Some of us tend to sit down and rest and reflect some more and tell stories. And, but we're on this journey together. And the most important thing is we have received the same grace as church. The good news for us that even today, even before we celebrate Easter, the text reminds us that we have already been given life. And some people say, oh, the church is going to die or my church is going to die. And I keep telling people, do not be afraid of death for we are children of the resurrection. This is God's church. And if this church dies in its current form, 
Because it has, and this is where the theme comes in, right? Because you're probably, when is he going to talk about betrayal? Uh, <laughs> no, this is when it comes in. If the church has betrayed the gospel, if we have betrayed our call, God will raise us up. If this flesh needs to die, if the church's outer coverings and trappings of powers and institution needs to die, know this, that we are of God and we are children of the resurrection and God will raise up God's church. Now, individually, some of us here are going through the same things here. You're probably facing conflict. Domestic conflict, work, drama, right? All of us have that. And it's the, the challenge here is to focus on who am I? I am a child of God and I'm, I'm a child of the Spirit and I'm called to be in community. Always gracious, always forgiving, always mindful of others. Hard work, hard work work to do but know this even if we fall and we get trapped in, in that cycle know this nothing can separate us from the love of God nothing can separate us from the love of God and there's always life even before we reach Easter Amen
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. So I I think this song needs a little explaining. (laughs) Um, I mean, the the story itself is very clear. Uh, But why are are we singing this in church? Um, When we first talked about this particular Sunday on betrayal, um, uh, the worship team had a discussion on on Judas in particular. And this song immediately popped into mind because it's a song about betrayal. Um, The writer, Towns Van Zandt, the very beloved songwriter in the folk music world, this is a classic tune of his, uh, loosely based on Pancho Villa. Um, He said these people, the characters just came to mind as he wrote it. Um, But it's a great description of uh, betrayal and the aftermath of that, particularly for the one who betrays. Um, and uh, when we talked about the scripture passage that Israel um, spoke on uh, for the service, um, I kind of interpreted it as that um, possibly Judas uh, had a moment of betrayal of the spirit. Uh, 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 feeling the need to self-protect um, and, and lost sight of the spirit. And um, I find that um, uh, instead of delegating or rele- relegating betrayal simply on him, it's a character that we can pin everything on, that it's actually a story for us to take to heart that we ourselves um, betray, um, particularly at times the, the spirit. I'm going to turn to look at you a little bit.
Lefty can sing the blues all night long like he used to. The dusty poncho went down south, ended up in Lefty's mouth. Daily let poor poncho low. Lefty split for Ohio, where he got the bread to go. There ain't nobody knows. Mother Federer, all they say, they could have had him any day. They only let him. Tell how Poncho fell. Lefty's living in a cheap hotel. The desert's quiet, Cleveland's cold. So the story ends, we're told. Poncho needs your prayers, it's true. Save a few for Lefty. He only did what he had. All the fair